moving your career further faster. That's the mission behind Cascading Leadership. Each week, we're bringing you stories of women, immigrants, members of the global majority who have risen to the ranks of senior leadership in the world of business. Get ready to gather the insights of some of the world's best business leaders and apply those to your career. If you're interested in sales and marketing effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, talent strategy, DEI, or HR tech, tune in. We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Welcome to today's special episode of Cascading Leadership. I am your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. If LB was here, he would be laughing. Olivia is right now. And today, feature episode is going to be another in our series of our Job Seeker workshops. And in today's specific episode, we're going to get a little bit granular and, uh, and talk through some of the things that we should be considering when we're revamping our resume in general. Uh, if we're switching careers, what we should take into account in terms of how that's reflected in our resume. And uh, also we're gonna cover uh, if you're a senior level professional and you're looking at navigating your career, what should be incorporated in your resume that speaks to the journey that you're on. So it's gonna be an action-packed 30 or so minutes and to kick us off and teach us all this great stuff that we can apply tomorrow in our potential job search, we have Olivia Fox. Welcome to the show, Olivia. Thanks, Jim. I'm Olivia. During my eight years of recruiting, I've hired thousands of applicants ranging anywhere from entry-level team members all the way up through VPs and C-suite leaders and reviewing what felt like millions of applications. I decided to launch the Resume Fox, which is my business, to help professionals reflect their talents, their skills, and their interests on their resume. Thanks for giving us the highlights there. For those that have been listening and watching the show, I have a thing for people that were in the staffing industry at some point because I'm a recovering staffing professional, just like Olivia is. So it makes sense that we would be talking about career search and career trajectory and resumes and all that sort of stuff. You and I have both looked at tons of resumes. We've advised countless candidates on their career search. I want to pick your brain a little bit and leverage some of your experience. What are some common things that you've seen in terms of how resumes are structured that people should automatically rethink? And I want to frame this question in a couple of different ways. Common mistakes that entry-level professionals make common mistakes that mid-level professionals make and common mistakes that senior level professionals make in terms of their resume structure? The most common mistake that I would say is a copy and paste of the job description into your resume bullet to try to explain your experiences. The job descriptions provide a lackluster overview of your job function as opposed to specific outcomes or successes and those additional duties as assigned, right? How you really enhanced that job description. And I think that answer there can apply to all positions, all folks, entry level, all the way up through C-suite. Everyone does it. It's easy to use your job description as a framework, but remind yourself of all the things that you've gone above and beyond with that job description to do. I, I, I want to react a little bit to your comments about job descriptions. And, and I don't know about you, but I talk to former or recovering staffing people a lot and we all seem to have a general gripe about job descriptions because it's everything in the kitchen sink that's thrown in there. So when you're talking about, hey, don't take a copy and paste approach into your resume from the job description, 
How much of that is informed by your knowledge of what actually goes in a job description and how often misguided those job descriptions are? I completely agree with you. They are often very misguided. I would say on average, I'm only using, I don't know, 50% of what's in that job description on your actual resume. It does provide me with a framework as a resume creator or editor. I don't know what you do all day, every day. I have a vague idea and understanding, but it does help me to see a little bit of that job description. However, I would say that I'm really only using like 50% of that. The rest of it is all of your experience. The way that I do that is through an interview. I schedule time to talk to you about your experiences and ask the questions that you might not have even thought, oh, I did do that a couple of years ago. I guess I should include that on my resume or wow, this is how that project was enhanced. This was the original scope and look at the outcome. And I think important to emphasize. That's another good good takeaway to put into place. So one of the other things that I want to get your thoughts on is the whole idea of, of outcomes versus tasks. When you're constructing a resume, how should that balance be focused between outcomes and tasks and what you're communicating to a potential hiring manager? Absolutely. I think an easy way to accomplish that is through quantifying your experiences. I'm going to give you a brief example here. Say you are more entry level and you are tasked with taking the notes or the minutes in a meeting. That is your task. You could say on your resume, wrote down meeting minutes for weekly leadership meetings. That's that. Or you could leverage that, enhance it by saying that you created weekly meeting minutes to inform strategic leadership decisions and frame it in a different way, which I think is just a way to share those outcomes that we talked about, is by really saying percentage increase, um, talking about the time frame that you've worked in there. So an easy example is you recruited candidates to increase the workforce for a hospital expand. Good resume, good bullet point. But what if you enhance that to increased workforce by 25% in 14 months, exceeding hospital expansion goals? That provides not only the outcome that you saw there, but it also provides a time frame. Now, if you exceeded the hospital expansion goals, maybe it was that you wanted to get it done in 16 months, but you actually got it done in 14. It gives your readers a little bit of a teaser there to say, what was your original goal? How far did you exceed that goal by? So it not only provides a framework, but it also perks up your ears to ask additional questions there. And when you think about it from the employer's point of view, why is there an opening in the first place? There is some sort of problem that needs to be solved through hiring doesn't matter what the function is. So if your entire resume is structured in a way where it's just talking about what you did, it doesn't necessarily speak to the problem that you solve. So what you're recommending, if I understand it correctly, is by focusing on outcomes, you're actually speaking directly to the problem that you're solving for the potential hiring manager or the company. Am I correct in taking that point of view? Absolutely. And I think it goes back to the conversation about the job description is going to point out that specific task. With you explaining the outcomes, you are inevitably going to explain the problem that you were trying to solve. So then you are expanding upon all of that. Like you said, the hiring leader, the recruiter is able to take that, oh, they exceeded those hospital expansion goals. Great. I need someone to expand my workforce in a similar way. I am going to ask them questions about that in an interview, or 
this person sounds great. Let's go ahead and hire them. I'm pretty big on building your brand at every level. Like I think everybody should have a personal professional brand that they think about or that they're actively building because that's portable. And when you're constantly thinking and acting in terms of outcomes, you establish a brand. So maybe you've established a brand as a startup person or a high volume staffing person or whatever it might be. That allows you to be more targeted in your search as well. So your resume is an avenue for helping advance what your branding is about. I think when you focus on the outcomes and you inevitably showcase yourself as a problem solver, right? you succeeded this and you solved this problem, that inevitably is going to become a part of your brand, like you say, and it's going to showcase different skill sets and strengths that you have as a person that are not necessarily reflected specifically on your resume. You're not saying that I am a team player or action oriented. You you don't necessarily put that on your resume, but between the lines of all of your experiences on your resume, that's going to come forward. So I think unintentionally, you just indicated another common area of mistakes is by listing off all of these buzzwords that says X, Y, and Z about you. Like nobody who is smart or who is a genius or who is an innovator is going to say out loud, oh, I'm innovative. You want other people to say that about you. So anything in your resume that has these buzzwords or phrases that everybody uses to the point where it's cliche, take those out. Let your outcomes actually speak for that. Completely agree. I don't know if I want to call it a trend, but something I've been seeing recently and doing for a lot of my clients is asking them to take a strengths exam. Actually, something I'm, I've been recommending to my clients and have implemented quite often is including strengths on your resume. And this is a more concrete or more credible way to say you're innovative, you're you're a team player, those types of things. So High Five is a free version online. Gallup Strengths, they've rebranded recently. It is a paid version worth the money. And you take an exam and it's going to point out your key strengths. So it could be innovative or team player, but there's a little bit more credibility behind that as opposed to just saying, well, I'm really innovative. It's a way for your exam results to showcase those experiences and include those buzzwords. I'm going to go down another direction too, that people really freak out about the including a lot of keywords on their resume to be sure that it stands out and it checks all the boxes, I would just not stress too much about that because if your resume is written correctly, it's going to have those buzzwords cascaded all throughout your resume. There's no reason, like you mentioned, Jim, to have a separate section that says, these are my skills. I would argue that's going to be seen throughout your resume. And then if you really wanted to go down that route, I do including the strengths as a section. And then you can even put a link to your results, which I think is Neat. Your comment on uh, Gallup's Strengths Finder, and this should be unsurprising to anybody who's uh, who knows me or who's heard the show. My top five activator contacts, analytical command and communication. Should not be surprising that doing a friggin' podcast and write all the time <laughs> about all sorts of stuff. So that's great advice. So we, we talked about four or five things so far that are common mistakes that we should avoid. Let's run those down. Olivia, if we're talking in general terms about common mistakes that people should be avoiding, and summarizing what we just talked about. What are those common things that people need to work immediately in getting out of their resumes? Biggest mistake I see is copying and pasting that job description. A way to combat that is focusing more on the outcome, the problem that you're solving and the outcome. So that would be the second there. 
And then being more, as opposed to being task oriented, again, focusing on what problem did you solve? And then what did you see out of that? What was either the outcome, the success, and how can you quantify that to really highlight that success there? And then being too focused on the buzzwords. It's just not necessary to include a skills section. I would recommend including a strength section, Gallup strengths, high five, those types of things to to give a more concrete example of your strengths. So let's shift gears a little bit. That stuff is applicable to anybody in any stage of their job search. Having a focus in those areas should be something that you can actually implement yourself or seek additional help or resources to help you implement. Now, what if we're talking about a specific set of circumstances where you're not in an active job search in terms of going out to market, you lost your job or anything like that, but you're a mid-senior professional in any vertical and you're looking at advancing your career what should be included in those resumes that are considered best practices that help you advance to the next level? Give us some insight into that. I recommend that you focus on your most recent experiences. You do want to provide a framework of you started from the bottom. Now you're here, right? Like you've progressed up the ladder and you want to showcase that. But those experiences that were five, 10, 15 years ago are going to be one or two bullet points. As you get more recent, they're going to become a quarter of a page, a half of a page, multiple bullet points, because likely that's going to be the direction that you're heading in your career path. Now, resumes are subjective and they're personalized to each individual. But I would say in general, that would be my recommendation to focus on your more recent experiences there. And when we were talking about for high-level executives, it's impossible to put 20 years of experiences in one to two pages. You will have to pare down. And an easier way to pare down is to omit the least recent experiences first, then to highlight more of those recent experiences. This is an area where you and I might have some differences of opinion. When I was advising mid to senior level professionals in navigating their careers, I usually made the recommendation that you should keep your experience to your most relevant 10 years of experience. Mm -hmm. And it's fine depending on the position that you're seeking for somebody that's moving from senior manager to director or director to VP, it's okay to have a two and a half, three page resume. What you don't want to do is just like you said, include 20 pages in your resume about everything that you've done from the time that you were a dishwasher to now. So we, we agree there. What's your take on my philosophy? I do think your resume should be two pages. I use the statistic a lot that recruiters on average are going to take about seven seconds to review your resume. They are not going to fully read your resume in seven seconds. They're going to take those seven seconds to scan it. If it's three pages, need my my drink and take a minute, right? I think that one to two pages is going to give someone a brief overview. Another argument I would make is you want to entice someone and interest them enough with your experiences on your resume. You want to leave them with some questions. The goal of your resume is to have them call. You've answered and given them every single answer to the questions that they would have. They might not call you and they might not finish reading your resume. So that would be my argument there to keep it to the one or two pages. I will say with executives, I often do two different resumes. One is a one-page version that is just providing more of a timeline there. And then the other is the two-page version that's more robust. What I would recommend to my clients, you may go ahead and apply with the one-pager 
and then follow up with the two-pager for the interview. Okay, leading into the interview, I wanted to give you some more details about my experience that might spark some questions and better guide our conversation. Here's a more in-depth resume. That's some really solid practical advice of having multiple versions depending on how you're going to be using it. Use the one pager as the hook. And then when you actually get the interview, you can use the detail to frame the conversation. That takes us in interesting direction. Whether you're talking about a one pager or two pager, I I was super sensitive to making sure that people had as little wasted space on their resume as possible. That doesn't mean turning everything into eight point font. That's not what I'm talking about. What are the things that you've seen especially with mid-senior level professionals who are looking to take that next step, how do they waste space on their resume with stuff that shouldn't be on there? Yeah. A lot of wasted space, I think, comes into trying to over-explaining your experiences, which when I say that out loud, sounds silly that, of course, you want to explain your experiences. I think maybe we're trying to get just more concise. It again goes back to, you just want to perk up their ears enough so that they have a vague idea of what you did, and then they can ask further questions. You want it to be enticing and catch their attention. Great way to do that. Going back to the quantifying conversation, 25% increase, whatever that looks like. But we want to be able to catch the attention, but we don't want it to be a three line long bullet point. Another way that I do like to break that up, especially for my is to do a sub bullet. So, you know, a, a good example of this actually is COVID, right? So what happened during COVID quarantine? How did your business pivot? How did your strategy pivot, whatever, give a brief overview, and then give a couple of more tactical examples there and quantify. That's just an easy example. But I think that would be a way to make it easier to read if you're saying, hey, here's the the topic, and then here are the more tactical examples. So that brings up another interesting question that is worth tackling. I write a lot. And one of the things that I always try to focus on, whether I'm writing on LinkedIn or writing emails, I try to focus on making sure that I'm speaking as plainly, as clearly, and as simply as I possibly could. What's your take on the language that should be used in a resume? Should we be plain spoken or is it better to be more on the technical side in terms of how we're communicating what we did? Very good question. In terms of communicating what you did, I would consider your audience. If you are applying within or if your resume audience is going to be within the same industry, so for instance, sales, you can talk about more sales specific terms or the acronyms, those types of things. If you feel like someone who's not in sales is going to be discussed or reading your resume, then you're probably going to want to, I don't mean to say this in a bad way, but dumb it down. You're going to want to spell those acronyms out. A very good example, I do a lot of veteran resumes, a lot of vets who are transitioning from Marines or Army into corporate or a different sector. And it's more challenging to explain those things. I am a military spouse, so I do have that background to understand a little bit, but it's just an easy or a better example there to not everyone is going to know every single acronym or understand what military life is like compared to corporate. So bridging that gap and being able to explain this is what I did on the the army side and how that is going to best translate into corporate world. Similar to the other example of sales, right? This is sales, but I'm actually looking to get into marketing. This is how we can translate those and use common language to speak to 
it, it again reinforces what you mentioned earlier of potentially having multiple versions of your resume, depending on how it's going to be used. And the net net of what you just talked about is know the audience that you're trying to connect with. If this resume in terms of the purpose that it's being used for is to hook a generalist in TA or HR into having a conversation with you, maybe skip the jargon. But then when you're with the hiring manager, use the other version that has more technical content in there that speaks the language of the the, the hiring manager. So far, we've got a ton of information, both for general job seekers and senior job seekers on what they can do from a resume perspective. But let's say you're not even, you're one of those quote unquote, 70, 80% of the marketplace that's a passive, not interested in anything, happy in their job. Why would you advise them to keep their resume updated in those instances? Hey, I'm not looking. Why do I need to bother with this? My argument would be you never know when something is going to come and fall into your lap. The other thing is a lot, it's easy for time to get away from you. A lot can happen in six months to a year and you have a resume that is six months or a year, two years, dare we say five years old and is not capitalizing on your most recent experiences that, as we've already talked about, is the most relevant, likely to your next venture. Another thing specifically with executives that I've seen is it's possible that a like a board or an organization might be interested in having you be a part of their board or maybe even a professional development opportunity. Hey, we're accepting this many applications for this developmental opportunity, and they do need a resume. And the one that you have three years old, it is much easier for you to have something that is six months old that you can quickly revamp and add a couple of buzzwords or add a couple of most recent projects that you worked on than going back to the drawing board of two years ago. And it's so hectic to have someone who you need something in two days, right? Hey, the deadline's tomorrow or the deadline's next week, and then you're scrambling. And if you do want to outsource, if you don't have the bandwidth to have your resume done, there are very few there are very few resume creators who can put something concrete resume together in one or two days. It's not going to be that customized, personalized experience. It's really going to capitalize on your experiences. It's more going to be that copy and paste of the job description, which is not what you want at all. You're basically getting at the Boy Scout motto of always being prepared. So (laughs) be proactive instead of reactive, whatever phrase that you want to insert there. Throughout this entire conversation, we've been talking through the do-it-yourself approach of keeping Mm -hmm. uh, your resume current and also some of the best practices that you want to implement into your resume structure, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on circumstances that's going to advance your cause. Not everybody has time. Not everybody is expert in that. So if somebody wanted to outsource and have it professionally done, have their resume professionally done, what's the criteria that they should consider when looking at a third-party resource to revamp or build their resume? What are some of the things that you would advise somebody that's considering that? You can definitely find someone on Fiverr who can turn a resume around for you in 24 to 48 hours. That resume is likely going to be a plug and chug with a a sample template. It's not going to be a unique format. It is likely not going to quantify your experiences or even draw upon experiences you might have forgotten to include on your original resume or projects that you have omitted. They're not going to have the opportunity to ask you about those things. 
when hiring a professional, definitely look for someone who is going to conduct an interview with you or in whatever your schedule allows for, obtain the information from you about your experiences. Like I mentioned earlier, I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes. I can have a pretty good idea by either your job title, your job description, but the best way for me personally to discuss that is to have a, what I call an interview with you. I really ask questions about your experiences because you might have thought, oh, I didn't even include that on my last resume. Guess I should probably include that. And then we can talk about it so that we can enhance it from there. It's easy to forget. You do this day in and day out, and it's really easy to forget the project that had a really impactful outcome and you plumb forgot it on your resume. Yeah. The other thing that I'm thinking about is if if you're outsourcing the resume, you're doing it for one of two reasons or maybe even more. One, you don't have time. Two, you don't have your the expertise or both. And certainly I would think the interview conversation would probably lend itself to drawing parallels from other people in the same function that can be leveraged. For example, if you're building a sales resume, and I'm sure that you talk to a bunch of sales leaders or whatever who talk about all sorts of stuff. And in the course of the interview, somebody that's working with a resume writer might mention something or might not mention something. And that triggers a response where you can say, have you considered this? What was the impact of that? Did this happen when you tried that? So you're leveraging best practices across numerous resumes to enhance the one that's in front of you. And that can't be done over email. Absolutely. And the same, it's either within the industry, but also in different industries. So say as a sales executive, you're talking about a project that you worked on. And I ask the question, how did you engage marketing with that? And you say, actually, we don't have a marketing team. That was pretty much in-house, my team and I did, but that wasn't anywhere on the original resume that you sent me. But I've thought I've helped a lot of marketing executives. I've helped a lot of marketing leaders and teams We need to be sure that you're including that in some way, shape, or form if you've done those things. We want to be sure to capitalize on the, like I used the joke earlier, other duties as assigned. The things that don't necessarily fall directly under your bandwidth have now been included in your experiences. To that specific example, if you're a sales leader who executed some initiative or some project that typically involves marketing involvement, but you didn't have a marketing team, both the go-to-market strategy, the sales execution, and the market strategy that you owned in execution, that puts you at a different level than somebody that had those additional support systems there. So that's a great call out. Thanks for sharing that, Olivia. Packed a ton of information into this conversation. Before we sign off, I want to give Olivia another opportunity to summarize the big picture things that people need to be considering when they're revamping their resume. So run through some of those best practices when we're looking at it from the lens of an experienced professional that is looking to move forward in their career. We we covered the general resume tips. What are some things that uh, experienced professionals need to consider when they're looking at uh, revamping their resume. Keeping your most recent experiences forefront of mind, likely spending more time and space on those areas, focusing on your outcomes as opposed to the task. How did you solve the problem? And then what was the outcome? Quantifying whenever you possibly can. I would love to know how many people are on your team. Again, you managing a team of 10 versus managing a team of even 20. That's double right there. There's a difference. So quantifying however you can, whether it be to explain the scope or to explain the outcome. And I would say the last bit of advice I would have is to 
choose your words carefully and using those power words and to try to keep your experiences concise yet impactful. Those are some fantastic tips. Before we sign off, where can people find you, Olivia? You can find me at www.theresumefoxfox.com. Where else? LinkedIn. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for sharing your insights on the show. And thank you for being a featured guest in our uh, Job Seeker Workshop. I think this is going to help a lot of folks out. So I appreciate you sharing sharing your insights. Thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of Cascading Leadership. You can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. You can find snippets of this on TikTok. Our primary channel is LinkedIn. We're occasionally on Facebook. We're not on Instagram because we don't do food food pics. And tune in next time for another great episode of Cascading Leadership. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at jim at cascadingleadership.com. Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.